Oh, hello. It is with great pleasure that both myself and George can finally welcome you to the inaugural BRI podcast. So after months of planning and preparation, we are, I guess, very, very excited to finally be able to share with you what we hope is going to be a space in which you'll be able to hear from uh, a number of different guests tackling topics of mental health, lockdown, relationships, social media, uh, and basically all the other problems that life can throw at us and especially have in the last six months. So with that, grab a beer, a wine, a juice, a squash, or in fact, whatever drink you feel like having, and let's warm those ear holes for the next hour and a bit. And so, without further ado, welcome to the Beer Ride Podcast. Welcome to the Beer Ride Podcast, a time for you to cheer, discussing all things good and bad, love, mental health, and beer. So bring along Beva Choice. Because we're here to stay. George and Jake, some special guests, showing you it's fine not to be okay. Right, so, um, first of all, apologies for that theme song. I mean, I shouldn't apologise. Me and Jake basically felt like we uh, weren't capable of recording it ourselves, so chose to uh, use the app on Fiverr, and this lovely Southern American chap recorded that uh, little ditty for us so um cheers mate if you're listening i'm not going to slander you too hard on the off chance you do just search the title i gave you and, and hear that um thank you mate it's very uh, on brand it does hear that. i don't i, I don't really mind. like it i really really like it it sounds very um very david brent-esque and very the office-esque uh but like, it's one of them songs that it's a bit like the the just eat theme tune uh i can i could play that on repeat over and over again um, but yeah, thank you very much to the man that, that did that. And, and it's, it's nice that we're finally here, finally, finally being able to record this. I mean, we've had, what is it, five or six uh, ideas over the past five years. Um, hundreds of uh, million pound money makers that we thought were going to throw us into the forefront of, uh, of stardom. Uh, and this is the, actually the first thing that we followed through with. Um, we had that. So it was Jag Tours that me and Georgie started was our first sort of big project and big idea, which was Jake and Georgie Tours is what it stood for. Uh, And we wanted to create a TV show, I think it was, that that basically went around all different unis throughout the UK. And basically, it was just going to be a piss up for me and him. Um, Going to every single uni, every sort of freshers event, then staying with a group of freshers and giving people that are about to come to uni sort of a a real life view of what it's actually like. So the best takeaways, the best nights out. Um, and, and that went, well, it went nowhere, did it? What did we get to? To be fair, I think we, we made the Instagram page, which we've done a few times of our different ventures. And then we also had the, had the graphics made. I, I actually, I made my brother, who's a pretty handy graphic designer, um, knock up a design for us and set a basic sort of the idea. We we're going to make millions and have thousands of followers from this outrageous Jag tours idea that, uh, yeah, I think it got to the point where in second year we were like, we should probably be focusing more on uni than going out to other university cities to get pissed and, and eat kebabs. Um, and so we decided to focus on uni work, which went just as bad as the channel did, to be honest. So um, thanks to that one. I mean, that was, to give you an idea, me and Jacob have known each other for five years. We went to the same university up in Nottingham together. We're in the same halls. Um, I've been good mates since. Obviously, a few little uh, nags along the way, as I'm sure we'll delve into at some point. But apart from that, it's been a pretty easy ride. But what my favourite one of our ventures probably was, was the, uh, was the fee frame bet. So to give you an idea, in third year, I wasn't at university at that point. So when Jake was in third year, 
I decided I wanted to make a move into the world of uh, acting and modeling and presenting and all that fun stuff. And Jake had the same idea. So I put us forward for the FIFA, it must have been the FIFA 18, FIFA 19 advert. So we did all these awful self tapes uh, for FIFA 19 of us like celebrating goals on the PlayStation that we weren't even playing. I mean, Jake doesn't play FIFA, he can't play it to save his life. And I mean, I'm not much better, but we ended up actually getting through to the next stage. And the bloke, the casting agent, was like, We love you guys' energy. We want you to be on this advert. So we were giving it big licks to everyone, telling them how we were going to be in the FIFA 19 advert. And um, in the end, they actually went, Look, we're not going to cast you for the original part we cast you for. And we were like, For fuck's sake, this is such a stitch up. He's like, We want you to come and, uh, and try out for the main part in, in the advert. And we were like, Fucking hell. It was like a couple grand worth of pay, trip down to London uh, for the main part in this FIFA advert, which would have been such good crap. We turned up there and um, it was full of the most gorgeous, handsome, rogue men I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, literally stepped right outside of there. I don't know, a Burberry magazine, to be honest with you. It was, uh, it was pretty embarrassing. And then what did they get us to do when we were in there? What was the actual audition they were getting us to were they, talk in different accents? This was the first, <laughs> yeah, this was the first audition that, I mean, I, I have ever done. And it was one of the f- first few that you had ever done as well. So we first walked in and they... And they started saying all these technical terms for us. And I think all the other people that they brought in are, are these actors that have um, been on, on Broadway or whatever and literally know what they're doing. We Broadway. And they started giving us all this sort of technical, uh, technical chat. And I remember just looking at them being like, I, I don't really get it. I'm, I'm more of one of the new people. I don't really understand what's going on. Um, but then they, they started doing a... They started asking us to talk in accents. And I think, Georgie, in your head, you were like, you thought that your Georgie accent was impeccable and one of the it best was. things since sliced bread and then they it, and then he did and then he did it and then she went uh right should we should we try another one then shall we uh i basically they, they really they basically made, made the idea out they didn't want to cast someone from london for this main part and if you go and watch the advert the long advert is this they've cast this this scouse bloke and they wanted to say the line let's take it from here so we said it and they were like you just sound way too too to london or too uh to Greater London, so try a different accent. So I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at my Geordie accent. I've watched a lot of Geordie Shaw. So I went, I bowled on in there, was like, let's take it from here. And they were like, are you doing, is that, is that Jamaican? Is that the Caribbean accent you're doing? And I was like, no, it's Geordie. <laughs> and they were like, it, it's not Geordie. Have you got anything else? And they were like, I can do Irish. And I was like, let's take it from here, man. Hey, let's take it from here. And they were like, you're doing, you're doing Jamaican again. So I was like, you fuck this. I'm not going to be an actor. <laughs> I don't want to be in the FIFA advert anyway. And in the end, we did end up being in the FIFA advert for... 0.01 of a second in the top right hand corner and it was so embarrassing I have to go and show the boys who we just told we've been casting the FIFA advert that um we, we couldn't be seen really it was a uh, that was the worst that was the worst thing because it, not only had I told the boys at uni but I had told every single person that I'd met since the point that we filmed it that I was going to be a star in the new FIFA ever. And then when it came out, it wasn't even the one that was on TV. It was the one that they put on YouTube as like <laughs> a, an extended cut. So reality was that majority of these people were never going to see it anyway. Uh, and then I think I had to watch it three times before I actually realized where we were. Um, but yeah, so that was a, that was a bit of a, a bit of a failure uh, yeah, in terms of another one of our, Enough of that. We've 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 we failed enough now, and it's it's nice that we finally found something that I suppose is not only quite enjoyable to do, and hopefully it's quite enjoyable for you guys to listen to it and, and follow along. But it's actually something we we uh, leaves quite close to our hearts, and in terms of something that we've we've gone through ourselves, and it's really kind of keen for us and important for us to be able to put out there a bit more. Um, to give you an idea, I said Jake, you're probably in the best position as the uh, the linguist that you are to talk through kind of what it is we're doing here and the structure and what it is we're looking to create. Really, yeah, I think. 
I think really our, our overarching message for, for the Beer Ride podcast is that we want to take um, the stigma away from excessive drinking. So we want to endorse a kind of new mentality within which we're able to, and quite happily, accept that going out or in at the moment, as we're all in lockdown, and having a drink or, or maybe two is absolutely fine. And that sometimes you have this societal pressure to consume so much alcohol um, because if you don't, as a man especially, you're considered weak or boring. And it's really just this like social construct that we've all adopted as a rule of law. And um, I think for men in particular, difficult conversations definitely become a lot easier after you've had a few drinks. Uh, and I think so hopefully what we want to do is, is be able to provide you with the platform that perhaps listening to us or, or listening to other people talk about it encourages you to have those conversations without the need for an excessive consumption of alcohol to have it. Having said that though, we, we will be drinking while we have these conversations. Not to be too counterintuitive to that, but we are, uh, it's got to be the pub part <laughs> somehow. It can't be beer either a few years. So we'll be, we will be taking a route down the road of there, trying out different beers and just having a good time and just basically putting the idea out there that the pub for us in the past has been a really good place for us to be able to open up our feelings and open up our emotions in. So it's a better or for worse, look directly in the eyes of your mates and say, look, maybe I'm not feeling as good as I was as I had them before and it's important to reach out and be able to have those conversations so so it's just creating a place where you can have those conversations and, and encouraging people to be able to have them and reach out if you if you are struggling or just for chat really yeah and I think especially especially in what's happened at the moment especially with lockdown going on so the last the last six seven months and what is to be who knows when it's going to end has been difficult for for a lot of people and I think one of the things that we miss is being able to go out and have those social interactions with your friends and uh, perhaps certain members of your family as well. Um, and just the social side of life that perhaps get you, gets you through the day as, as it does for many people. Um, so I think what one of the sort of goals for the BRI podcast is, is that it's to create a community really and to create a community spirit where just because it's locked down, it doesn't mean that we have to, hide away in our rooms or it doesn't mean that we have to completely shut down um, and that we can have these open and, and frank discussions uh, with each other about how we're feeling, about if we're struggling and hopefully get some support, guidance, advice on how best to manage that and how best to deal with it. But I mean, well lockdown has been difficult for, for everyone. I don't know how you found it, Georgie. Yeah, so before I do that, I've actually just finished my beer. So I didn't want to open a tin up uh, on the mic while you were talking, but I'm just going to do that now. Just, just in case you're wondering what that sound is. And now it's frothing, fuck's sake. So consider, see, I, I, I pre-opened, I pre-opened both of mine, but... Uh, is that you're drinking? This one what is, is that? Piss warm. So... What are you drinking? What have you, what have you chosen? A Corona. Uh, Adapt and very, very with the times, I think. What's annoying about this? It's when we first started at Beer Eye, the whole aim was that we, we got these partners on board. We got Hopley on board, which, if you don't know about Hopley, they're an amazing craft beer supplier that supports so many small breweries and so many amazing, amazing breweries around the country. Um, we partnered with them and we tried some really amazing beers on the YouTube channel. And I wanted on the first episode of the podcast to try out some really rogue indie IPAs to to give people an idea that we know what the fuck we're talking about, but I completely forgot to order them and speak to uh, Chris Fenn over at Opoly. So instead, I've, I've had to opt for a Guinness, which is possibly one of the most mainstream 
stouts available in one of the most well-known alcohol brands known around the world so i feel quite bad i mean i might pretend i'm drinking some um some back-end london camden based tiny microbrewery ipa but i've realized we're being filmed and i'm quietly drinking the pint of the iron soup and you've gone for a corona so we've, we've absolutely fucked that early on in terms of our, our, our reps as um rogue beer drinkers so apologies for those of you that tuned in to hear about ind- individual beers and small breweries and talk about them we will get to that i promise it's just that we um we have admittedly held our hands up and, and we've, we've, we've fucked it a bit here. So apologies. Um, also apologies for my use of language. I've just realized, I don't know if I've marked this podcast as explicit or not, but um, it's very possible that we'll be... We're going to have to Jeff in. Yeah, we're going to have to. We're going to get pulled down before we even get, get to five views, which, I mean, who knows how long that will take. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of the lockdown, as you just mentioned, it's, it's, I hate it. I really, really hate it. I think the first, the first lockdown, so back in was it March or April, I was on furlough. So for the first few, like first few days, first few weeks, I was loving it. I was playing a lot of PlayStation, playing a lot of FIFA, playing a lot of Fortnite and watching a lot of Netflix. And I suppose I, I mentally regressed to a point where I, I felt like a child again, where I was almost at points where I was watching fucking cartoons again. Because I was like, God, I've actually got no responsibility at all. I'm getting paid to sit home and do nothing. And it was good seeing the boys on Zoom and having our, our pub crawls and our quizzes and all very original stuff. But it got to a point where I was sitting in my room drinking on a virtual pub quiz of the boys and then i turn around from my desk and get into bed and be like fucking hell it's tuesday night i'm drunk and i've just sat and got drunk in my room with the internet with, with my mates it was and it was that point there and it started dragging into the first month and the second month and then the weather was really nice i couldn't go out or i was like this is taking a bit of hit with mental health and um i definitely lost my marbles to some extent in that first lockdown if i look back at some of the instagram content i was posting and the tiktok dance i was doing I um I think it's fair to say now that I was definitely not in the, um, my best mental headspace, especially as I wasn't working. I'm quite a, I'm a bit of a creature of habit and a creature of structure. When I haven't got that, I do very much go to a, a very weird, weird place. I was up to like four in the morning doing absolutely nothing. What about yourself? I mean, how, how are you feeling? How are you feeling then? And how are you feeling now? Well, it, I mean, it's interesting you say that because like if you, you struggled with the first lockdown, but is there... I mean, I guess there's two key differences in terms of you were work, you weren't working the first one, and you are working now. But were there yeah. things that you learned from the first one that perhaps you then took into the second one that you thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this differently, and I'm not gonna do that because I realised that that was actually really detrimental to what to actually my own mental well-being. Yeah, and I think it, in terms of my mental well-being and that whole mental health journey, I mean, that's a, that's a buzzword I hate, but I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into that in a bit. Um, I have always been a creature that needs to to exercise to get out in fresh air and, and to really be in kind of open space to be able to really kind of appreciate my mental health as much as I don't mind being a bit of a hermit every now and then so going out walking running drinking a ton of water being able to exercise put myself in a place where I'm reading I'm reading whatever it could be anything we'll listen to audiobooks and not just binging with my headphones on playing games in my dark room eating shit foods there's really something I focus on I think I've moved out since then I moved out my family home into my own flat um, so I'm doing this slightly more solo this time around, which is a little bit more daunting. But I think for me, having gone through that first six months and kind of realised at what points I hit lows and kind of what maybe what brought me back up again, is super super helpful in terms of knowing myself this time and knowing best how to manage it. I mean, I mean, on your mm-hmm. side, obviously you're back at your family home at the minute over in Aylesbury. How how are you getting on? I mean, I I it's weird because I know that there is a lot of stigma around the idea of lockdown being um, horrendous and awful, but it's difficult because I know a lot of people that actually really, really benefited from it um, and actually use that time to completely take a step back from the really busy and hectic lives that they were living and actually gave them time to breathe, I think, and, and just mm. have a, a bit of a chance to chill. 
Um, but I, I personally, well, actually, I started a new job on the day that we went into lockdown. So I was quite lucky in terms of the fact that I had that, that I could focus on. Um, yeah. And, but like you, I'm very much somebody that gets bored very easily um, and, and cannot sort of stay in my own bubble without, without having sort of a change to, or doing something interesting throughout the day. So the idea of, of working, eating dinner, going to sleep and whatever was, was a real struggle for me. Um, but I think obviously exercise, um, even if it's going out for a walk, I, I just think it, it does. And it's such a cliche as well, isn't it? Um, but it makes such a difference to, I mean, personally, my own mental state. If I was having a bad day at work, even at three o'clock, I just, I just turn everything off, take half an hour off, go for a run, go for a walk, whatever it might be, come back, and I feel absolutely fine, um, yeah. or feel like my head a bit cleared. But I think the other thing, and what I did quite a lot in lockdown, um, is actually just make a list, and even on even on a weekend, which I think they all kind of sort of roll into one. Um, it does, yeah. Uh, a weekend that is meant to feel like sort of a day off and a day where you can go out and do something fun and interesting. I would make a list of stuff that I wanted to achieve that day, even if it was um, so much as have a shower, go for a run, just so I felt that actually I wasn't wasting this, this day and I could tick things off. Um, and I think that was one of the, the sort of take homes that I had from it is to not yeah. just wake up and, and be like, Oh, what I'm going to do and sort of pottering about for a couple of hours. I think a big thing though, and I think that we really need to put out there is that, I mean, what we'll dive into is that me and Jacob both had obviously very different experiences of mental health and mental wellbeing, but at no point are we trying to claim or, or suggest that we really have a clue what we're talking about. I think everything that we say and everything we suggest and speak about is based off our own experiences rather than any learned behavior. We're not psychologists, we're not psychiatrists, we're not wellbeing practitioners. Um, in fact, we're just two 24-year-old blokes who kind of have... have have experienced different sides of mental health from the ups and the downs and I'm kind of really just want to open up about it. So I think the big thing for anyone in lockdown who is struggling is, is just find something that you enjoy doing or find something that kind of keeps you, keeps you going. I mean, if you hate going out for walks and runs and it doesn't work for you, then I'm not going to tell you to exercise and do 4,000 squats a day. Cause if you don't like it, you don't like it. And that's not going to make you feel any better. It's just going to make you sweaty and well, it's going to make your legs hurt. So, so it's the main thing is just finding out something that you enjoy doing and something that you can really kind of get behind or develop on. But yeah. I mean, who, who knows, mate? It's one of those. It's, it's all well and good me giving a big chat now about what makes me feel sane. But I know full well there'll be periods during this lockdown where I'll feel fucking shit. Where I'll, where I'll sit down after a long day of work and be like, I just want to see the boys. I just want to see my girlfriend. I just want to go for a pint or go to the gym and it will be rough. And there will be rough periods of time. So I think what, what I want to put out there is that when you do go into those stages and those, those lulls and those, those troughs and my fucking Wi-Fi is just gone. And my Wi-Fi just cut out, so I was monologuing there, and that's really annoying. But um, yeah, I think the overarching thing of what I was trying to say there was just that there will be shit periods, and there will be shit periods of time, and you will feel bad, and, and so are we. But just know you're not the only one going through it. We are all trapped in this together. I think I saw a, a really cool quote the other day. I made Chris tag me in. It was, um, we're all in different boats, but we're in the same storm. And I think that's a, that's a massive thing to kind of take on board, is that we are going through the same shit together, but people will be going through different shit at different times. So just be aware of it. And if you haven't heard from a mate in a few days and definitely drop in, drop him a text, give him a call and just, just talk to him. Cause I can guarantee that I think me personally, when I don't speak to anyone for a day, apart from on work calls, I, uh, I definitely am in a much brattier, shittier mood than I would be if I was uh, in the office or with the boys. Yeah. And I think I'd also like to just, um, reiterate that there, 
I mean, for me personally, and I'm sure a lot of other people as well, there is a big, I know we keep talking about mental health and mental well-being, but for me, they're two um, very, very different things. Mental well-being for me is, is doing things that uh, look after your day-to-day um, mental wellness. And I think mental health is something a lot more, a lot more serious um, that, that a lot of people uh, struggle with and go through. So I think it's, it's about understanding both of those things. And I think I'll, it, this isn't something like um, BLM or homophobia, where is, there is clearly a right and a wrong. Um, this every everybody's mental health and everybody's mental well-being journey is completely different, and people deal with things in different ways and people react to things in different ways. So, when we talk about this from from our own points of view, this is really just a way of us being able to express how we dealt with things, uh, the things that perhaps worked for us and perhaps didn't. This by no means means that it may work for you. This is by no means is a cure. This by no means is um, something that is going to make you feel a hundred times better. It's just what so happened to work for me and then also what so happened to work for, for Georgie as well in his instance. So I'd like to just reiterate the point that we are not here to, to give uh, medical advice. This is just stuff that we have, we have tried and we have done. Um, and some of it's worked and some of it hasn't. Um, I'm sure you'll hear a lot about that later. <laughs> right. So now that we've cleared up the T's and C's and we won't get sued by anyone who goes through mental turmoil and, and realizes that going out for a run won't cure anxiety directly. Um, I suppose it's only fair now that we're, we're, we're given all this chat about mental well-being and reaching out and having those conversations that should probably dive a bit more into kind of our journeys and how we got here to a point where we're sat here on a Saturday afternoon waffling about the brain and the psyche and, and everything else inside it. I think what's interesting is that me and Jake, despite being good mates for the best part of five years and having both be quite open about our emotions, we're obviously both confident, outgoing, overconfident sometimes individuals, depending on who you're asking. Uh, we both went through quite similar struggles when we were at university and neither of us felt at the time we were at a point where we could reach out to each other or anyone else at that point. And it wasn't until we actually sat down for a podcast with the guys over at Earthly Delights, uh, shout out Seb and Jim for having us on. Uh, we actually sat down and actually heard each other's mental health stories for the first time. Um, but I think if we're going to sit here for the next, this season and have all these amazing guests on from Love Islanders and professional athletes and all these people in the public eye that we should probably, I suppose, not even hang our day, washing out to dry, but like, be open about where we're at with our journeys and, and kind of we can't just sit here on our high horses and ask people questions about their mental health and, and not kind of dive into our own so i mean jake do you want to go first i mean what's kind of your relationship with your mental health yeah. and, and your mental well-being and where did it start i think it would be, yeah i think it would i think it would be very remiss of us to sit here and and start up this entire podcast when if, if we hadn't experienced any of these things so i think for, for me i i grew up very very much with the belief my mom is a psychotherapist as well and when she was training for this i remember it was i was 16 17 years old and i was very dismissive of all of it when she used to say oh sit down talk about your feelings and i'd be like no i'm not doing that i've got time to do that um and then sort of going to university as well um you go to university and you just get caught up in and i think the the fundamentals of it is i was just an immature little boy um and I basically wanted to have my cake and eat it. Uh, and so I got myself into a relationship that I probably shouldn't have done because it just wasn't really fair on the other person, just because I wasn't really ready. And I just, th- I just thought that I could have everything. Um, and it just did some bad things. Um, I, I got with somebody else on a night out and that's where it sort of all, all came crashing, crashing down. Um, and, and for the best part, 
I always think that basically what happened is I just went into a massive depressive state. Uh, that whole relationship broke down and I just completely lost uh, my way. Um, I didn't eat. Um, I lost a shit ton of weight. Um, I ended up going on antidepressants um, and just got to the point where it was, it was a really, really dark time and it was just a case of getting up and, and going for a shower was something that I saw as an achievement. Um, I took loads of time off uni uh, and, I, and I think, and look, this is, this is something that I've always struggled to talk about because I think part of me, because it was me that did the actions that, that led me to that state, mm. I always felt like I deserved to feel that shit and that low and that awful. And actually looking back at it now, I did make some mistakes and I did fuck up. But actually at the time I was what, 18, 19? Um, it was my first ever relationship. I was just a bit of a child, to be honest, at the time. Um, but actually being able to sit here and look back on it now um, and, and reflect on what happened. I remember being at, at that point uh, and just thinking that I would never be able to go back to uni. I wouldn't be able to even be in the same room and, and look at that person in the face. Um, and, and then, lo and behold, three years later, uh, we were all on holiday together in on the other side of the world in Bali. So it, it's all, it all, I think, works out in the end. And I think, although there may never seem like there's light at the end of the tunnel, and believe me, I, I got to the point where I thought there was absolutely zero light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it, it really does get better. But I think it, that old cliche of time heals all, time heals all wounds. Um, I always used to be like bollocks. Like, I'm never going to feel better. I'm never, ever going to feel better. Uh, and now I, I do feel a lot better. But there are days, and I think what it has done is is triggered for me an idea that I have to always check in with how I'm feeling. Just because I think there's always that fear that you're always going to go back to that place that you were were at before. Um, and I think that's, that's a really difficult thing to deal with sometimes because you're always on edge and always scared. And if something bad happens, uh, you're going to think, oh God, uh, is this going to send me back down into that sort of spiral? And once you're in that spiral, once you're being sort of whipped around that, that tornado, let's say, it's very hard to sort of get out of it. Um, and that's, that's what I found really. Yeah. And I think this is, this is, I lived with you during that period. So I saw the vast majority of that, obviously knew the girl you were with. I was very aware of kind of the situation afterwards and what it digressed into being and I saw both sides of it. Um, are you, are you glad you went through that? that I, let see, this is, this is a difficult thing. It's a double edged sword because am I, am I happy that I, uh, caused somebody else the pain that I did? Absolutely not. Do I wish I could take back everything that happened? Yes. Do I wish that um, this this sort of the whole uh, ruckus had never happened? Then yes. But actually, the, the, the after events, the entanglement, and then the after events, and then what had happened after that, and what I've been learned from it, and then what what I am now as a person. I think i'm glad i went through it in terms of in terms of that but at the same time it, it's very difficult saying that knowing that you put somebody else through something so horrible but saying i'm glad i went through it if that makes sense yeah. no i totally get that and i think to be honest mate being totally upfront, and i'm sure i've mentioned this to you before probably after a few beers um obviously i live i live with you in first year and second year of university so i, I saw you every day and even even after that, i saw you a lot a lot more than i wanted to sometimes um 
<laughs> but you that over that period of time, obviously it was horrible to watch you go through that, and obviously horrible to see you struggling in that way. But having come out on the other side and seeing who you are as a person now, I think there's a lot more positivity about who you are as a person, and you're a much brighter individual having gone through that. I mean, thinking right, I didn't not like you in first year. I, I loved the, the confident, outgoing part of you that I could go on and out with and have a lot of fun with. But there were definitely parts of you that I also saw in myself at that point as being, I suppose. I don't know what I'm saying. I mean, reasonably toxic uh, and pretty negative to our own well-being and also the people around us. So, I think having gone through that, that's you've grown so much as a person without licking your ass uh, on a podcast because I could just text you this. Um, yeah, you've obviously grown a lot through it, mate. But so I, think, I think I think we were our own our own worst enemy in that first year. We, I think we both just came to this university and just saw all this opportunity and just thought we are we are the sort of kings of this, of this whole, or whatever I'm, it might I'm, have been. Sorry, just... I'm not, I'm not going to record as, <laughs> as you having said, we thought we were kings at university. If you, if you want to say that, again, say that's, that's absolutely fine for you, but I did not feel that way. Going to record I remember this. I, re- I remember, I remember this conversation. We were in my, we were in my president's suite and I think it was like, See, this is it. You're uh, going to come across talking. such a cop. <laughs> Here's first year Jake, the absolute. Oh, I probably can't say that. I might have to bleep that out. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have to believe that you can't say that I had this president's oh, this makes you sound like such a knob that's um, right it sounds like an absolute yeah. yeah. had, had basically I had a big room downstairs uh, and I remember I remember once I remember once just, just being in that room uh, and we had used to have priests down there and I had 30 40 people in there and I had this desk where I always used to used to sit <laughs> i remember just sitting on that desk oh my god so tragic uh i remember sitting on this desk having having snuff all over my face thinking i was pretty big bollocks uh i remember looking down at, at all these people in my room dancing and just thinking you've done it you've made it <laughs> you're, you're the hell. uh i'm now the- looking back on it i just think you're such a dick you're such a dick <laughs> I cannot wait to clip that and uh, and whack that on the promo for this week because that is going to be um that's going to be taken well out of context. But um, yeah, mate, I mean, I feel the same way. First year was one of those things. You go to university, you away from your parents for the first time, and you're around by all these amazing people, all these incredible individuals who you're just mm. so desperate to impress and make friends with and experience all these incredible things with. It is so easy to get carried away, and that's by no means an excuse to for the way we acted or the way anyone acts, I suppose. But it's it's looking back on it now it is um it's a very bizarre experience going off to university or kind of being away from your family it, for the first time so it's no it's no shock it it does grab you some people it's like that that symbiote any marvel fans is like having a symbiote inside you um, but you are. i mean i completely agree but you i think you had a very different experience um to me in terms of what you went through um because i mean no, no, i mean i only found out about this what a month ago but yeah, it's, it's very different to sort of sort of my my journey in terms of how it started and and what happened nice nice segue there i know this is the first podcast where you segued that really really nicely into my story so nice thanks for passing the old bats on there bro nice work. <laughs> yeah um well without monologuing too much because I'm, I'm well aware the sound of my voice can be quite grating um to those of you who don't like the sound of it um but yeah my story is a little bit different um i just give you an idea i grew up very, very normal life, very kind of privileged life. I didn't really struggle through much. I mean, I, school was okay, grades were okay. 
everyone's okay. Parents got divorced, but I mean, that's happens to probably every one in two people now. So I can't even pretend that's a disadvantage. Like as it goes, my X Factor story was pretty fucking shit um, up until uni. So I turned up at uni, this well-gymmed, possibly steroid using uh, rugby player who was in good nook and ready to kind of make the most of university life and uh, sort of seize the day and kind of keep on going. My whole personality is pretty much uh, a confident outgoing rugby player, the positives and the negative sides of that. And I was well aware of that, but I wore that like a badge of honor, like a, yeah, I can be a dick, but that's just me being funny. That's my way of showing you that I'm comfortable with you. Uh, mm. Proper alpha male toxic shithouse behavior. Um, and it was worked great first year, made so many mates. Um, had a lot of fun, um, played a lot of rugby, didn't take it too seriously because I know I had two years in front of me. And then it got to the end of my first year and rugby for me growing up through those kind of prepubescent puberty years, high testosterone, all that sort of shit. Rugby was the way I dealt with my emotions. I didn't talk about my feelings. I didn't really cry. I did get angry, but most of the time I dealt with that on a rugby pitch. And if you ask any of the boys I used to play rugby with, um, I was a bit of a shit out on the pitch as well. Decent player, but also just well up for getting my hands dirty and, and, and chucking my weight around place where it didn't deserve to be because I thought that was that was fun. It was like, yeah, you can go get a scrap with someone and, and dig them in the ribs and not get in trouble for it. And, and that was all part of the game. So my emotions purely, if I had a fight with my 15-year-old girlfriend, when, when I was 15, she she wasn't 15 and I was 18. We were both That's safe. Yeah. I fight with my, my girlfriend the same age as me when I was when I was younger. Um, I still have it for rugby. That was my whole my whole kind of outlet was, was there. So in first year, in the end of the first year, I went back home to play a sevens game for my club and I tore my ACL. The poetic justice there is I'd just done a um, end of year presentation for the end of my first year sports rehabilitation degree uh, about ACL tells. So as soon as I did it, I was like, fuck, I know this has happened. And the pain wasn't so bad, uh, and it was just annoying for a while that I couldn't go back to Union and play and show off in the NDBS Sevens Festival at uh, Robin Hood Sevens. But as time went on, and I was unable to go to the gym, I was unable to exercise, I was unable to play rugby, a large part of what I perceived my personality to be, and also the way I dealt with my emotions, was taken away from me. So I suddenly found myself not only immobile and having to learn how to run and squat and, and not walk again, it wasn't a spine injury, but basically learn how to walk properly again, was... Um, quite daunting and I went second year couldn't do pre-season which was gutting um missed out on all the banter the boys and all the camaraderie and all the, the freshers um and all that fun stuff and got to a point where I wasn't able to I suppose talk about my feelings because I was this rugby player who didn't do that and I was just always fine and I was macho and there's this bravado bullshit um I just got myself into a bit into a bit, a bit of a pickle really where I didn't have to talk about my emotions but I also wasn't able to have an outlet for them I couldn't play rugby I couldn't go to the gym I was stuck inside just frustrated in my own body as to what was going on and very quickly that spiraled into a place where it had a very very negative effect on people around me um that I chose to show it to my then my then girlfriend um took a large brunt of that in terms of me not being able to deal with my emotions and getting frustrated and getting upset and getting angry and getting paranoid and, and all this bullshit for the longest time. But I'd go through such waves where sometimes I'd be okay. I'd go out with the boys, we'd have a good pre-drinks, we'd get battered, we'd go off to Dublin on a boys' trip. Uh, I'd be the most vibrant individual of all time, the life of the party. I mean, that's kind of arrogant to say, but ask my mates, I'm very much happy taking the reins and the, and, the, and the hat on that one. And then go home and just fucking cry. Get in from night out and cry and cry and cry and feel so, so empty of my emotions and then wake up in the morning the day after, have to go into lectures and just be like, 
I can't get I can't get out of bed. I can't. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go into lectures. I don't want to do this anymore. This is shit. All I want to do is just be able to play rugby and be better. And I mean, I had no point that I think I was going to end up playing for England, but for a large part, rugby was something that I wanted to be part of my life for the longest time. And then when that got taken away from me, and my ability to deal, to physically deal with my emotions was taken away from me. I lost pretty much my outlet and my punching bag for how I felt. So I got very very quickly into a place where I was very much on my own. I didn't know anyone else ever felt like this ever. And I was in this dark kind of lonesome pit where some days I just couldn't get out of bed, couldn't move. I just sit there fucking crying, not knowing what to do. I couldn't tell my parents. I couldn't tell the boys in the house. I mean, obviously you were going through similar issues at the same time and I didn't want to talk to anyone because I was like, I don't want people to think differently of me. I'm this rugby player. I'm this big, bad, macho individual. I can't admit that I spend 12 hours a day fucking boiling my eyes out crying or wanting to just run away and disappear and not feeling like myself at all so it got to a point where even when i was able to drive home from university there was a point and i remember the first time ever i suddenly it was really weird i was driving home on the m1 from nottingham to london i just forgot how to breathe i just suddenly was well aware of the fact my own breaths in my chest were not there and i was having to concentrate on every breath and i ended up having to pull over to the side of the road and be like what the fuck is happening here like i can't breathe and i called my dad and my dad was like sounds like having a panic attack and if you've met my dad, he's similar to me, very confident, very outgoing, just life and soul of the party. Um, he was like, I used to have them too. I, I was in the same place and I was like, fucking hell, I didn't know any, I thought I was the only one in the world feeling like this and I thought I was the only person on earth who felt that shit or felt so horrible and, and, and felt so rough. And it got to a point where I ended up guilting myself to be like, God, all I've done is tear my ACL and I'm sitting here crying, like not wanting to go on and wanting to drop out of uni and everything being so shit. I ended up guilting myself into the way that I felt, which is weird, but Somehow, my then girlfriend obviously saw that I was struggling to such an extent and made me go and see the Nottingham University therapy mental health counsellor. Had a conversation with her for about 45 minutes that basically just involved me offloading every single emotion, negative and positive I had for 45 minutes and offloading all the shit that I'd held on to for the last like six, eight months. And she was like, yeah, there was clearly something going on here. You're clearly not okay. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I can agree with you on that one. I'm well aware of that. I'd accepted that at that point. Um, I started speaking about it and she was like, you look, we want you to come back in another three weeks time. And I was like, fucking hell, three weeks is a long time. I need to sort it now. But it's not an overnight solution. And it wasn't at all. And I think that was two and a half years ago. And still to this point, I'm still having conversations where I'm like, I still feel shit. I still can't play rugby to the same level I was doing. I still am having problems with my knee and that really gets me down. I still have days where I'm like, I just want to be what I was doing before. And it really does get me down. And I fall into these dark holes still. Um, not crying as much, which is, which is nice. Um, but I think for me, the biggest turning point was when I realized that this is far, far more common than you'll ever be aware of. And it might be a rugby injury. It might be a relationship. It might be absolutely anything at all. There's, there's no, I mean, mental health doesn't give a shit who you are. Mental illness doesn't give a shit who you are. It will, it will come for you if, if, and there's nothing you can do about it sometimes. So just knowing full well that you will feel like that at some point and not to feel guilty about it. And that I was like, they're thinking the same way. I was able to start speaking about it, telling my mates about it and being like, look, I know you won't get this. You understand this because you've not been through it. But it's how I was feeling. It was so weird. And slowly, conversation by conversation and opening up about it bit by bit. Uh, and my mates came back to me and saying, really weird. I felt the same way or I've had similar instances of that where I got to a point where I was like, fuck, this is so fucking common. Why are we not talking about it more? I was telling everyone on earth about this fucking ACL tear I had. And everyone was like, yeah, my mate's torn their ACL. Yeah, I've torn my ACL too. Or I've done my ankle. That's so shit, man. Not going to play rugby. Same time, I was fucking anxious and depressed and having panic attacks, which are 
even just as common. And as soon as I started talking about that and saying to boys, like, oh yeah, I told my ACL, but I also was really down about it. I started feeling super upset and couldn't control my emotions. They were like, no oh, man, I felt the same way. Or I get like that sometimes too. And I think because you can't see mental illness and you can't see your mental health, it's a lot easier to sweep it under the carpet. But fucking hell, the minute I started talking about it and the minute I kind of brought awareness to it and started opening up to it and using that, what I perceive as weakness, to be a strength uh, and educating myself on it, it got a whole lot easier. Um, I'm not sure how long I've been monologuing for, so apologies if that was a, a long duration of time, but I've sort of been going down my own internal timeline there as to you know, where I'm at. And even now, look, I'm not going to pretend now that I'm fixed because, I mean, I don't think you can ever be cured or fixed of, of mental well-being or kind of that mental health problem, but it is a spectrum. Some people have a much wider spectrum in terms of lows and highs and some people have a much smaller one. So there will be points where I still feel low now, but it's just learning like what, what causes them and how I can manage them and how I can kind of bounce back and, and feel my best self. But I mean, I'm so keen to set up this podcast and set up Beer Eye as a whole and some of the other ventures I've had before previously of mental health because I mean, it's quite important as us as well, two blokes mainly, but two blokes who are quite confident, outgoing, could start a conversation in the Sahara Desert um that, that everyone it, it can affect everyone and it affects everyone differently and that's totally natural but it's so, yeah. so important to have a conversation and i think that now even though my mates are like they don't really understand it and i totally get that and i don't expect them to be like oh how are you doing every day or like what's up man how's your mental health because i don't want that i don't want to be wrapped in cotton i just want to be able to put it out there and be like look if i'm feeling down i want to talk to someone about it that they're there to hear it and i don't need you to understand it i just need you to listen and sometimes that's all it takes <laughs> Do you know what I think? It's I think it's one of those things that, um, especially with mental health, it's it's very hard to to even describe how you're feeling. And it's the same as I used to feel before when when Mum used to talk about it and like what what it meant to um, be depressed. Or I remember one of our old family friends uh, has depression, um, and I remember her trying to explain it to me when I was maybe fifteen years old, and I just I just didn't understand it. And I think it's one of those things. It's like losing a uh, somebody very close to you you can never you can't describe how that feels and you can't you can't um explain that experience unless you've been through it yourself so although although we always say check in on your mates uh do this do that i think people don't realize the importance of what that does because yeah. they haven't been through that that feeling uh themselves and i think especially in mainstream media what you find is that this idea of, of mental health um is Oh my god! Somebody's got mental health. They're completely depressed. They're sad all the time. It, it's <laughs> yeah. either it's either nothing or it's depression. There's no in between. And like you were saying, I think it is a spectrum, and I think that's what people don't understand. Um, yeah. But I think it's interesting what you said about. Uh, I mean, we obviously went through two, and, and I think showed it in two very different ways as well. Like I was very um, out out there. Everybody knew that I was. I was not okay. Whereas oh, yeah, we with were, you, which was we were super exactly, aware, yeah. <laughs> which was which was actually with you, which I guess is probably perhaps even a little, perhaps more dangerous in terms of um, why why the rate of mental health in men is, is so high is that you don't really see sometimes people try to hide it. And do you think that is because you were in, involved in that sort of rugby world? Do you think because that rugby world is so um, macho, I'm going to piss in your mouth, I'm going to eat your shit, or whatever it might be? Do you think it's because that idea of I'm going to show no weakness, that's, that's why you didn't want to come forward and, and say how you felt? Yeah. Um, well, firstly, for the record, no one rugby or outside See, rugby. Is, hang is on, ever... no, no, no. Before you, before you say this, I've seen, you, I've seen you do some of this. So don't try and deny that this doesn't happen. 
Yeah, look, no one has ever shat in my mouth, nor have I ever shat in anybody else's <laughs> mouth, nor will that ever, ever happen, apart from maybe a small window um, of, of time at some point in my future. I'm not writing it off, but it's probably going to happen. Have you, ever, have you ever drunk somebody's piss? Huh? Sorry, mate. You, you cut out there. Okay. Really weird. I didn't. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, but, um, really? Okay. Yeah, All right. Don't worry. We'll come back to it later. Um, but yeah. So I digress. What was I talking about before I defend every rugby player's honour ever? Um, yeah, I think that was a large part of it. I think, to be honest, for me, and this isn't like this isn't what rugby made me feel, or like what the rugby community made me act like. I saw internally as myself that I was this big, bad, confident, outgoing, VK swigging, snuff sniffing mouth pissing rugby player <laughs> where I couldn't show my emotions and everything we did had to be around the idea of having a laugh or taking the piss out of each other or just just having like pure bants all the time like being a bean or having pure bants being just this absolute rascal just doing stupid shit all the time and we weren't allowed to show no side of that it had to be a brick wall you had to be but I painted that idea of myself I know a lot of rugby players and even me now as someone I still consider myself a rugby player I'm very aware of, of, the, of the dangers of that and then being that person where you feel invincible and feel like rugby is toxic because it's not at all. Um, but at that period of my life where I'd just gone off to uni and I was knee high as a grasshopper and full of protein, um, that was like, that's not that's how I had to feel. So yeah, I suppose for me, I built myself into that person where because I had nervous personality traits and I was so weak as a person uh, and didn't really know myself and it was probably because I was so self-conscious that I built myself around this rugby archetype that people see from the outside. So uh, that's probably why. But at the same time, I know a lot of rugby players who are open about it and I know a lot of people who aren't rugby players and who are the shyest people on earth who don't talk about it. So I think it affects everyone so, so differently. So yeah, I think in my case it was because I built myself into this rugby playing stereotype, archetype that I'm, that I'm clearly, clearly not now uh, in most cases. Um, yeah, it certainly didn't help is what I'll say. And I certainly was yeah. finding myself with people who were super supportive, but I didn't want to hear it. Right, now that we've delved into the, uh, the inner depths of each other's minds and uh, pulled our skeletons out the closet, I'm desperate for a wee because I've been sipping on Guinness this whole podcast and it looks like Jake's in need of a, either a stretch or an exorcist. So we're going to pause here for an ad break um, on the off chance that somebody's agreed to advertise on this podcast. Hi, this is the ad break. Uh, I'm George from the Beer Eye podcast. Um, we haven't actually got anything to advertise directly yet as we haven't recorded a podcast and we've only got a thousand followers. But... A few things I want to talk to you about. The first one is November. If you're watching our video feed, you've noticed I have a rather gnarly moustache right now. I'm growing that, uh, not only for a fashion statement, but in aid of men's mental health. We've included our link to November in our bio. We actually got in there too late to be their partner this year, annoyingly, but they're a good bunch, so go check them out anyway. Jake? Uh, and I, in the month of November, uh, my auntie was recently diagnosed with cancer. Um, but I am running the distance from my front door to her front door, which is 270 kilometers uh, in the month of November um, and raising money for Macmillan Cancer Support. So the Just Giving page will be in the bio at the bottom of this. So please, as much as you can, I'm sure we've all been affected by it. Let's give as generously as possible. If you enjoyed this podcast, donate. If you didn't enjoy this podcast, donate even more. And we might not make a second one if you make a big enough donation to Jake's Just Giving page. And the third one is Hopperly. Our partners at Hopperly have supported us since the beginning of our journey as a YouTube channel and just five blokes looking to get drunk right through to now. Um, they're a really cool company. They are a beer and craft ale supply company based in Essex that help small independent breweries and you 
come together more often. And this month of November, where we're not allowed to go to pubs anyway, why not give them a visit? And you can even use the code BEERI10, all caps, for 10% off all purchases. Go check them out. Really, really appreciate it. They'd really appreciate it. The broods would really appreciate it. It would just be you being a good person rather than buying corner shop beers like we did today. So ignore us. Anyway, back to the main podcast now. Thanks for listening. Wow, Jake. That was a really great ad. Yes, Georgie. That was a really good ad. But I think what's important is that we've we've spoke so much today about uh, <laughs> our own uh, struggles, and I think it's been very emotionally strenuous. But I think what we wanted to do with this was also have a bit of fun, because I think having a bit of fun uh, is a very good way of getting or helping uh, your mental well-being and your mental health. So what we've decided is that over the next few months, we're going to have some incredible guests join us. And so far, we've got uh, a former Love Island cast member booked in, uh, some business entrepreneurs, uh, fitness influencers, and they're just going to come in and discuss the ins and outs of everyday life over a drink or two. Uh, but I think over that drink or two, what we've decided to do is come up with a little game. So Georgie? Yeah, so we've decided to introduce a game uh uncopyrighted called desert island drinks this is not similar to anything you may have heard before and it's not based on absolutely anything at all especially a bbc4 radio show from the 1942s still running now with desert island drinks we're going to ask each of our uh, individuals who'll be joining us to name free drinks alcoholic or non-alcoholic uh probably alcoholic they take to a desert island with them why they pick them and in what scenario they drink them this sounds like a bizarre format. So Jake, do you want to give us an example of what free drinks you'll take, when you'll drink them, and then why you're actually bringing them in the first place? Yeah, okay. So okay. to give you an example, so my three drinks are, my first one is going to be a pint of cold beer moretti. Uh, and I think the reason for that is I used to work in a bar, and that was sort of the staple beer in that bar. So... It, it's just what I associate with that bar. It's what I associate with with good nights I've had in that bar, um, and so I think for me that's my that's my pre evening from about five o'clock on a Saturday through till about through till about nine o'clock. That's my that's my starter. Um, I, I don't want I don't for, want to show in your ideas there, but that, that that is the first desert island drinks we're having on the Beer Eye podcast, and you picked a fucking Amstel. But not so. Okay, you picked a beer Moretti, apologies. Are you, you going to pick up <laughs> another one? Are you picking up another no, one? I, just like, before we came... So, <laughs> no, so I'd come on... Just before we did this, I said, oh, I'm going to pick an Amstel. <laughs> uh, and then just before, I was like, no, that's a shit beer. We do. Uh, so then changed it. But That's embarrassing. Um, but I'm, I'm quite bad, so I'm not going to lie to you. These, these, these Guinnesses <laughs> are actually taking a face. And I'm clearly not listening to the only person on earth I'm currently talking to for a pair of fucking big fuck off earphones. That's so, apologies, Jake. Beer Moretti, that's a wonderful Sorry. choice. And I'm glad you've chosen that. That's um, superb. What's next? But we're going to go to main course next. The main course is going to be, uh, see, this makes me sound like a snob and a bit of a knob, but it's going to be... Uh, and a rhyming wine. star. Yeah, I did an English degree. Um, but it's going to be red wine. Um, just because, I don't know, it just tastes nice. I think as a, as a proud Italian man, uh, a red wine is, is something that is staple in an Italian diet. So that's, that's got to be in there. And then for pudding, I think we're going to have uh, rum and coke. I've, been, I've become a big rum fan of rum. Coke. Yeah. Uh, classy rum, though. Not, not Bacardi, none of that. 
uh, Sailor Jerry stuff. I want a, I want a nice, nice rum, and the Coke has to be out of, uh, out of the bottle as well, not out of the squeezy thing. The, uh, the, the gun, the old tap. <laughs> the um, had many, many a fun night on uh, drinking, drinking rum and Coke. So the, I think those would be my three, and my sort of three scenarios, sort of a starter, main, and dessert. But I'm right, sure, okay. Georgie, you've got. Uh, some weird story about why you've picked your three. So why don't you take um, us away? Yeah, actually, before before I dive into mine, I've, 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 I'm massively freeballing here, probably due to the Guinnesses I've been consuming. But can we add a shot to it as well? Can we have can we have free drinks and a shot? Is that too many to bring to a desert island? I want to hear your shot. What would be your shot of choice? Uh, Cafe Patron. Cafe Patron. With all due respect, I would not go anywhere near your island. It sounds horrific. That's all right because there was no invitation there. So and it's deserted. I, I so. like my island. <laughs> I like my island. What what would you go for then? Um, okay, I, again, I really should have thought about this beforehand. I thought I'd be able to free sell this better, but apparently not. Okay, number one, uh, because I can see it right in front of me, and it is the staple for days in the desert island where the rugby is being shown and the football and the mighty Arsenal are playing. I'm going to go for a Guinness. I'm going to take a pint of Guinness. Not tinned directly from a tap, connected to the brewery in a in in or in Dublin. Uh, Guinness for me is an absolutely wonderful drink. You can down it quickly. You can do the Guinness challenge. You can sip it. It's a pint of the iron soup. It fills you up. Makes you feel grown up. It's just a fantastic drink. I love the colour of it. I love the wet bubbles. I love the story behind it. I've got Irish heritage, so it seems silly for me not to pick a Guinness. So that's number one. Uh, number two, so I would say I would say for you though that is your that is your staple drink. That's what I see you drinking the most. Yeah, if I was to is. link a drink with you, it would be the Guinness. Good. I'm, I'm glad I've chosen that. Then thank you, Jake, for the uh, for the confirmation on that. But I agree with you. It is my it is my go to unless it's warm. That is just, uh, here's a little tip for you, by the way. While we're on it, if you go into a pub and you don't see anybody else drinking Guinness, don't order a Guinness. Do you know why? Why? I don't know this for sure, but I've heard from person to person through Irish people that <laughs> basically if you need Guinness needs to be keep, keep going like fresh and free flowing, and they need to be regular barrels. So if you go into a pub and it's and there's no one else drinking it, probably means it's been sitting in the pipes for a while, so it's gonna taste like shit. Um so only drink Guinness if you can see uh, it drink yeah. That is actually very true. <clears throat> I used to have to change the Guinness barrel. Uh and sometimes you'd get uh if it hadn't been touched for a while, you get a lot of dregs. Uh, and then when you pull it through, it's it's not as smooth. It's uh, it's a bit bitty, bit bitty, bit bitty of bitter. Oh, a very different in my head. Yeah, mummy, <laughs> want some bitty? <laughs> and your your second drink? It's actually bitty. Funnily enough, no, I'm joking. Bit of bitty. bitty. <laughs> it's a bit of bitty. That's not a funny joke, and I do apologise for all the breastfeeding mothers we've got listening. I know we've got a massive contingent of pregnant mothers and <laughs> new, new mothers that listen to the Beer Ride podcast, so apologies for that offensive remark. <clears throat> uh, my second one is going to be a Hendrix gin and tonic double. Mm. Um, this is going to be for when I've got when I have date nights on the island, or when I'm feeling a little bit more flashy, or when I'm actually cutting for the big summer competitions on the island that I'm only on myself. Um, big fan of Hendrix, big fan of a and t It's a little bit more refreshing than a Guinness, uh, a little bit lighter on the old, uh, the old calories and the old tum. Um, do you have a a preference of tonic? I'm or pretty do you uncut- just like bog standard, the old, the simple, just a simple tonic. No slimline, no Mediterranean, no elderflower. 
No, I'm, I'm pretty basic. Do you know what really pisses me off? When people order like a really fancy gin and then fucking overload it with like pomegranate tonic, I'm like, why the fuck are you putting the emphasis in, in the fruity flavors into the tonic? Maybe I'm super uncultured with it, but I just don't understand why people do that. So for me, I'm trying to go slimline. It's a slimline tonic, low on calories, low in flavor. So you can just taste the gin. So that's my second one. Are you going to have any, are you going to have any uh, fruit in your gin? Because there's, there's something that typically goes with a Hendrix. Why are you testing me? Because like, I, uh, <laughs> of course, it's, it's, it's obviously Hendrix and lime, isn't it? Ah, uh, no. Lemon? Uh, no. Mint? <laughs> no. A straw? Is it a straw? You're tricking me. It's it's, it's cucumber. Um, uh, but I don't know whether you yeah. want that oh. in your drink. obviously obviously it's cucumber but i don't want cucumber anywhere i don't want i don't want it in my face mask i don't want it in my salads i don't especially don't want it in my gin tonics um yeah thank you for the suggestion and making it like a fucking imbecile um i do appreciate that Jake. my third one is going to be not a pint of piss it's going to be oh it's a tough one i'm probably going to go for i'm going to go for an orange vk i think that's the uh Oh, yeah. the, the wow. that's the Nottingham man in me the crisis goer the ocean goer and also the uh, mm. the man I used to be it's a symbol of my past the orange VK um, so we'll be going for the orange VK it's a time to reminisce yeah it's time, time to, to reminisce. reminisce when you have an orange VK yes for those of you who don't know VK is basically the cheaper I say cheaper crisis now charges about £3 each for them so £3 for like a basically a smell of ice um, but in a plastic bottle and considerably tastier so you can squeeze it that was you the can case. Basically, you can squeeze it, yeah. She used to do these things with like VK tornadoes <laughs> or days where if you squeeze the bottle, it shot out so much quicker. We did this thing, this is slightly off topic, but we used to do the thing with the Halls boys called a VK carte blanche, where you could go up to the boys and offer them a VK carte blanche, um, French for, I believe, a big fucking round, um, and it, it's a blank check. It's carte blanche, blank I, check. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have not blank check. So you go up to the boys and say, look, you can have a VK carte blanche and they'd give you a number and you had to buy that number of VKs. You could say one, you could say 20, but the rule being is you'd have to down all of them back to back. If you could do it, then fair enough, you've earned those VKs and they're all yours and you've just cost your mate 50, 60 quid. If you couldn't do them, you had to pay them back and then offer a carte blanche in return. So it was a real like test of how thirsty you are, but also how binned you are. I think Sunny Boonawara, big, big boon. I once did them with seven, seven VKs back to back, different flavors too. I did the rainbow. Felt absolutely horrendous but obviously, afterwards. Obviously now we, we are shying away from that and we don't want to endorse uh, that kind of binge drinking culture. But I think at uni, it, it's what everyone does and it's, what, it's certainly what we did as well. Um, but looking back at it now, I mean, people were mugs. People, like, people that would walk up and go, right, 10. You're playing yourself. What are you doing? Just be, just be sensible. Go for two. Everyone can do two. You've got your money's worth and you've gotten paid for. You don't have to pay anyone back. You don't have to buy any more rounds. Right. It is. You, you could pick smart, but at the same time, Jake, we're creatures, of, we're creatures of, of real desire as human beings and you want to reach for it. You want to, one, impress your mates, but two, you also want to be able to test yourself and also well, make, make your money's worth. If you do four really easily and you think, I definitely could have fitted the number four in here or number five in here, you feel like you've cheated yourself and you've wasted a VK carte blanche and you don't get them very often. They don't just get dished out willy-nilly, handy-pandy. They're rare. It's a anyway, brave, I, brave man to offer a carte blanche. It does. It does. Because you never know. If you're paying it to someone stingy, they'll just go for two and you just lost six quid for minimal enjoyment. Um, <laughs> not naming any names. You know who you are. If you've even gotten this far, you're the sort of person that definitely stopped listening 20 minutes ago. So, um, 
<clears throat> not saying any names. Um, but anyway, I digress. My third, is that, was that my third drink? Was that all three of them? You've done, you've done three. You've done had three. Uh, pint of Guinness, Hendrix Gin and Tonic Double with Slimline, and ah, Orange VK as well. I, I, but you've had a now, fourth one in there, go on. No, 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 I'm not, no I'm, I'm not going to, because I'm always going to do a shot too, but I now realise that neither of us have chosen a craft beer. And we, we one, a partner with Hopperly, and, and two, I've, I, oh, I've, I think I'm it. I, I, oh, I'm going to go back on myself. I changed one over the VK. I'm going to go for a... No, I can't think of any craft IPAs. A Beaver Town Neck Oil, one of the most mainstream of the lot, but it's an IPA nonetheless. So have that. There you go. Put it in your pipe and smoke it. Beaver Town, for that record, if you are looking for sponsors, we are very, very keen to work with you. Or in fact, anyone, we're really keen to sponsor and, and uh, be advertised on by you guys. So just slip into our DMs. Anyway, um, moving on, my shot of choice is going to be the Baby Guinness. The only shot I can do without gagging and the only shot oh, I can do shit. I forgot about Baby Guinness. Oh. People always do, Jake. People always do. It's always you flashy bastards going for Cafe Patron and Rosé Tequila and all that absolute nonsense. But Baby Guinness is I mean, right there. Cafe Patron and Baby Guinness are, in effect, the same thing. With all due respect, that's the most bonkers statement I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's not. They're both coffee liqueur. Well, okay. To be direct with you here, Jake, Baby Guinness is a quarter of a shot of Irish cream. Cream? Oh, no. I've just Queen. <laughs> I've just I've, I've just baby voiced on the fucking podcast. <laughs> Queen. Cool shot of uh, Irish cream, three parts coffee liqueur, and also some black sambuca. I don't think that's right. I just googled that. Black but, sambuca. Yeah, I don't know if that's right, mate. I, I've it's just, just it, it's just it's Kahlua and Bailey's. Bailey's. That's, yeah, that's I thought a, it was that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a. Yeah, Wikipedia's got a, that wrong. Baby uh, Guinnesses. I mean, Catherine yeah, is just a it's just a coffee liqueur, but if I, yeah. it's. It's shit strong. I'm just looking at these these names for shots now. How are some there's, there's there's a there's a there's a shot called the Redhead Slut. We'll uh, we'll shut away from that one. Broken down golf cart, slippery nipple, the old orgasm. One I'm not too familiar with myself. A joke. That's the name of a shop. Oh no, that's <laughs> that's my comment on on it, which I wish which I'm which I wish I hadn't made. Um, but yeah, that's that's it from me, Jake. Um, we've probably hit the hour. Have we hit the I think hour? that's it from both of us, really. We've hit the hour mark now. That we've been talking for a fucking while. I'm still a bit cautious that I've been shouting into the mic. I've had these headphones on. I've just lifted one of the ears off and realised how loud I've been talking. So there is a danger that mm. if you're if you're using some powerful earphones here, you may not be able to hear as well as you did an hour ago. But um, but thank you for sticking with us for this first very meaty, very in depth, very intrusive and waffly episode of beer eyes the podcast um what do you do a podcast Jake? do you like them do you subscribe to them what, what do we want them to do you What's our call to i action? think you i think you listen to them you subscribe to them you like them you share them uh you tell all your mates about them you mates. uh send them you send them funding as well um you sponsor them you can do a whole load of shit with podcasts um so if you want to do all of the above um this will be on our instagram page as well uh which is at beer hq uh so please give it a follow on there um and we will be putting some links in there as well to some mental health charities and support that you can reach out to if you are in fact struggling um and i think the last thing that we want to say is just thank you very much 
thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Cheers. Thank yeah, you very thanks. much for being part of this. Yeah, you, you guys are great. Um, thanks, really. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty embarrassed about how, uh, how, how boozed I am off those, I'm going to say nine Guinnesses, but there's only, there's only three of them, three pints of Guinness, so I'm absolutely on my way. But um, look, guys, thanks for listening. Please tune in again. I promise the next ones won't be so... Uh, so uh, Jake and Georgie show that's the last thing we're trying to do we've been accused of that many a time yeah. um, look we've got some good guests on the way please come back even next week or the week after uh, follow us on Instagram give us a good rating on Apple Music or Spotify if you can do that give us a thumbs up and if you don't like it can you, can you tell us why that would be nice to hear I think a bit of a bit of constructive criticism but tell us directly yeah. so we know whilst we can block you Anyway, look, look after yourselves. <laughs> Reach out to um, and make you think they're struggling. Drop them a message. Give them a call. That's the important part here. And uh, I think, yeah, just keep on, keep on talking. Is that like keep dancing, keep talking, but myself? <laughs> All right, that's it. The quality of uh, audio here. Thank is you diverse. very much, guys. Yeah. See you later. Thank you very much, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. I've been Jake. No, he's been Jake. I've been Georgie. We've been the Beer Eye Podcast. See you later. Being like, right, you can just you can just have one or two drinks, it's absolutely fine. You don't I'm need to get I'm still recording, fuck. I'm still recording, right.